announcements, as now you hopefully have gotten out your calendars, um, are our Christmas and Thanksgiving dinner next Sunday evening. Um, come on and enjoy it with us uh, as we do that at 6 p.m. On December the 10th, we will be having our Ladies' Ornament Exchange. Um, I have already texted a couple people that I want to make sure come so that I uh, can steal, I mean, share in the joy of the Christmas season. Um, for those of you that don't know, it is a time of secret Santa where we just get the ladies together in the church and we enjoy time together and, and enjoy seeing what each other brings. So come and join us for that. The bus will leave here at 5 p.m. on December the 10th. Take us to Miss Linda Clayton's house um, for our Christmas uh, ladies' ornament exchange. We will have a new members class on December the 12th. If you are interested in becoming a member of Bethel, please, December the 17th, apologize. <laughs> December the 17th, we will be having our new members class from 10 until noon. Larry's going to be leading that. We'll have some light refreshments. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for our new members class if you are interested in coming. This does not obligate you to join, but it is essentially us being able to uh, impart to you what our church believes, um, and, and we would love for you to be there. Uh, so December 17th <laughs> from 10 until noon. Uh, on, also on December 17th, we will be having our choir, uh, flash choir rehearsal at 4 p.m. with a fellowship dinner after rehearsal. I love choir too. It is a woo moment. Um, <laughs> and we will uh, have our performance the next day. This year, our Christmas service is going to be on the December the 18th. We will have service, of course, on Christmas. What a beautiful time to get together with each other and celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ on Christmas Day, but we will have our big celebration on the 18th of December. Um, as the choir goes, we will have just one rehearsal in the sanctuary, followed by a catered dinner in the fellowship hall. Our performance again will be the next day on the 18th, where we'll worship the Lord together with our church. Um, we will be doing two songs there is sheet music and recorded parts that will be distributed in two weeks um, on the 4th of December. And everyone will need to learn their part on their own. So when we come together, it just sounds angelic, right? <laughs> there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Um, if you can't sing, it's okay. Just come and enjoy with us. Um, the Lord, we make a joyful noise to the Lord. So come and make a joyful noise with us in the choir um, on December the 17th. Uh, at 4 p.m. Thank you so much for those announcements. We hope that you'll make note, especially to come to our meal. You're talking about some good food. These, the ladies and the men of this, not just ladies, but and the men of this church know how to cook good food. Amen? Gratitude makes a huge impact in our hearts. The difference between gratitude and ingratitude, I'm going to mention some of those. Gratitude creates optimism. Ingratitude creates pessimism. Gratitude attracts people because people want to be around people that are grateful. Ingratitude repels people. Gratitude cultivates, I love this one, Humility, ingratitude cultivates 
pride. Gratitude promotes happiness, ingratitude promotes unhappiness. We must fight against ingratitude because it's poisonous, it's infectious, and it's deadly. I hope that we create, cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Paul, right into his spiritual son Timothy, talked about the last days, uh, the characteristics of the last days being people would be unthankful, unholy. And let's not fall into that trap to be unthankful. Let's be grateful, grateful for all that he has done for us. If you do not have an outline, I hope someone's here to give out these because I really want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand and uh, Brother Chip will make sure that you have one. This morning's sermon is called All Things New. You like new things. I do. I like new cars, new houses, new jobs, new relationships. Well, the Bible speaks of all things new. In fact, in Revelation 21 and verses 1 through 5, and I love this. I hope you can glean from what the Lord is going to speak to us this morning. Now I, John, saying this, saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem. I love that. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3 of chapter 21 of Revelation. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and he be their God. Verse 4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Somebody say hallelujah. No more sorrow. Hallelujah. No more crying. There shall be no more pain. Wow. Wow. I mean, this is getting better and better. For the former things have passed away. And then verse 5 says, Then he, he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And someone say, Amen. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that is with us today, the church, as we look forward to the future and we ask you to bless this sermon this morning as we break the bread of life. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody says, read with me the introduction. The gospel of Christ means new creation. The old is passing away and the new has begun in each believer who places his or her trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Making all things new means a new body and a new soul. We get a taste of new, of new creation now by means of the Holy Spirit working through God's word. 
The Spirit is conforming us to the image of His Son, making us new creatures whose desire is to love God and others. This is God's transforming work. Transforming work. Jesus Christ transforms us. And He is the only means that we really, that the heart and soul and our life truly can be transformed. This is God's transforming work in us. Today we will look at four ways in which God will make all things new. Hallelujah. That's, that just sounds good to me. That God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, is going to make all things new. Look at four ways in which God is going to make all things new. Number one, spiritually and morally. Now, when we come to Jesus Christ, we are new creatures. We are made new. But, oh, it's just a foretaste of what's going to happen later on. Can you say amen? The greatest uh, frustration of this age is that we we still sin. Romans chapter 7, verses 23 and 24 says, Paul, I love the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. If you want to enjoy reading about the Holy Spirit, 19 times the Apostle Paul mentions in Romans the Holy Spirit, but he talks about the struggle in the chapters before. Notice, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, oh. You feel this way sometimes? Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched, wretched person that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? We want to be holy and fall short of the holiness that we long for. We want to love and we say hurtful things. We want to worship and we feel cold. We want to walk in peace, but sometimes we feel anxiety. We want to be pure in thought, and we're bombarded at times with impure thoughts. Oh, wretched man that I am. So the greatest frustration of this age is that we still sin. Sin doesn't control us. We don't habitually sin. We don't practice sin, as 1 John talks about. But we do, every one of us, I don't care who we are, we all sin. For the children of God, this war is the most frustrating thing about life in this age. God will make us spiritually and morally beautiful for our final marriage with the Son of God. The bride. The bride. And we are made pure and holy through and by the blood of Jesus Christ when the perishable clothes itself with the imperishable. And death is swallowed up in victory. The bride is made worthy of display. Today I don't feel like it sometimes because we live in a fallen, fallen world. 
And sometimes we, we make mistakes. Sometimes we sin and it hurts us. And then when we do, we go to God and we ask forgiveness and he forgives us. So he says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down as a bride adorned for her husband. A community in communion with God. Notice Revelation 21, 9 through 11, 9 through 11. I love this. 9 through 11. Then same chapter. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls or filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the bride of the Lamb. The lamb's wife, verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. I I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. I don't think I gave this one, but I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So this morning you and I can get a glimpse of what's going on. We can get a glimpse of what's in the future. What is awaiting you and I? I remember as a young man, we we came to church and often we sung songs about heaven. I don't know that we hear that many songs about heaven, but are we anticipating this wonderful place called heaven? Yes, we look forward to it. Stephen Atkinson says it this way. John had clearly been shown how the Lord dwelt with his people and wiped away all tears. Now John has a picture enlarged and magnifying. God's presence has an effect upon this community, the new heaven, the new earth, the new heaven. It shines and radiates with Shekinah glory like a crystal jewel. This city is the community of the twice born, now perfected and glorified. You look forward to that? I do. It is the holy city, a holy community. Is he talking about the city or is he talking about the church being the bride? I think both of them. He's talking about the holy city, New Jerusalem. But he's also speaking of a community. In this life, that holiness is imperfected. But then the holiness is complete. What a wonderful thing to consider community of Christ-like people, a community which exudes the aroma of Christ in every interaction from person to person. Atkins goes on to say, this city of redeemed humanity has a value beyond our comprehension. We talk of being bought with the blood of Christ, but we can begin to comprehend the purchase of Christ. Can we? 
Can we begin to comprehend the price it took to purchase our redemption? God's priceless jewels are his own beloved people set together in a city shining not with an external light upon, but an inner light within. And that light is something beyond compare. It is the capital L. It is the light of all lights. And ending this, he says, John speaks of it as being like a jasper. This stone was clear like the diamond transparent and brilliant. God's glory will radiate there brilliantly from within this, his people in a visible, transparent manner. Can we comprehend it? Can we get a glimpse of this holy city? Can we understand what the future is going to be for the people that's living for the Lord? Let's go to number two. Physically. God's going to make us new physically and bodily. The body we know now will be changed because it hurts. It dies. We will have a glorified body like Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. We're, we're part of the earth, yes. But our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming. Who will transform our lowly body, Paul says, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Can you imagine our bodies that suffer and hurt? and gets old and wrinkled, how that it's going to be transformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Did you get that? Did you get what Paul is saying? How wonderful it is to be physically and, and bodily new. It's a new body. It will never die again. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we have to put up with death, the death of our loved ones, those we miss so bad. But it's a new body. It will never die again. It will never hurt again. It will never cry again. I'm about to shout, folks. I'm looking forward to this change. Spiritually and morally, we'll be made new. Physically and bodily will be made new. And God is going to make the creation new and glorious. God will renovate the whole thing, this earth. Everything futile and evil and painful will be done away with. Romans chapter 8. Here's this Romans 8. In verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Are you shouting yet? Are we happy yet? Are we rejoicing over our future yet? Yes, we will enjoy what God has prepared for us. The fallen creation will obtain the very freedom from futility 
and evil and pain that the church has to go through with today. And we go through it as human beings on an earth that is going to be recreated, certainly by the power of God. And then not only that, in verse 3 of 21, I want to read this verse again. Verse 3 of chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The great thing about heaven, we're going to be there with Jesus. The great thing about heaven is we're going to be there with God Almighty himself. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Somebody say, wow. I, I, I don't know that our finite mind can, can comprehend what's awaiting for us. What a relationship we think of today. It is true that God is with us now. His spirit dwells in us. Paul, right into the church at Corinth, says in 619, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? God dwells here. God dwells within us. But notice what we have written here. There is a deep and painful sense in which we are away from God. We do not see as we will one day see. And we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Can't see him. Oh, we can hear him speaking to us. The time of trouble, he gives us a consolation and a peace. Well, let me tell you something. One day we're going to see him face to face. And it's not going to be at a distance. And we won't have to walk by faith then because we see him and we will be him. Something greater is coming for all of us in our relationship with God. And the writer of Matthew tells us in chapter 5 and verse 8, the pure in heart will see God. Are you pure? You say, Pastor, how am I made pure? Not by your good works. Pastor, how can I be pure? You can be as grateful and kind and good as you want to. But the only way that you and I can be pure is for us to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Ask him, Lord, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. There's nothing like it. I don't know how long it's been since you've accepted Christ. I hope we all here this morning have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But I remember as a nine-year-old young man in Sampson County, Clinton, North Carolina, Butler Hill Church, I went down to the altar. And I knelt down and I wept before God. I sobbed before God. I felt like I was the meanest person in the world. And I said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. 
Let me tell you something. There was a tub of honey that turned over my soul. God blessed. The light of heaven shone in the darkness that covered me. And Jesus Christ forgave me of my sins. I hope you've experienced that. And I hope today, as you think back just a moment, think back just a little bit. Think back. How did I feel when I accepted Christ? What took place in my life? What kind of change came over me? You know, we don't have to feel anything to know that Jesus forgave us because we accept it by faith. But it's wonderful when the Spirit of God touches your life and there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. I remember that day. I hope you do. And I hope you can reminisce just a little bit back and say, Lord, Thank you for giving me. Thank you. I'm not holy in myself. I can't be holy enough. I can't be good enough. When the blood of Jesus Christ came over me and cleansed me, and the presence of the Lord flooded my life, and the same for you, if you've accepted him, the same for you. There is nothing in this world, listen to me, like a relationship. With him. There's nothing in this world like a relationship with him. If you don't have that relationship today, I hope you'll make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because all the things I talked about this morning, they'll not be yours. They'll not be yours. The only way that we can experience what John is telling us in Revelation chapter uh, 21 is to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. I hope you know him. I hope you're acquainted with him. Because you're going to move into a whole new relationship with him when you get to heaven. There's a song we sung years ago. We haven't sung it lately. When we all get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. What a day. What a day that will be. As they come to sing a beautiful song. I want you to enjoy this song they're going to sing. Let us bow our heads and pray. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for a hope that goes beyond this life, this veil of tears. And God, that you give us a glimpse into this holy city that shines, Lord, with the light of Jesus Christ. There'll be no need of sun or moon because Jesus Christ, our Savior, will be the light, will be the light that will light that city. And God, I thank you for the promise of a new, of a new body. I thank you for the promise of a new relationship, a better relationship, a more fulfilled relationship with you. God, how I rejoice. How I rejoice. And I praise you today. This morning as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I don't know everyone here this morning, but God knows. God knows where you are with him. And as you whisper prayer in your heart and pray for this congregation, you said, I want you to believe the Lord that God is going to have everyone that walks out that door a relationship with him. If you're here today and you don't know Christ is your Savior, would you slip out that hand and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Would you do it? Would you do it? 
How many of you know you're ready to walk in that new Jerusalem on streets of gold? How many of you know you're ready? Let me see your hand. Come on. Whoa, look at all those hands. I'm ready, preacher. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's worship God as they sing this song.